Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Kingdom Rock Radio. I am so glad that you decided to join us. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to go into a whole new series. This series is entitled Peace with God. Don't you know that as a born-again believer, you have peace with God? through Christ Jesus. Oh, it's a thrilling message and you've got to hear it. I believe that you're going to hear some things today that's going to make you think, that's going to make you pause, and that's going to make you praise the Lord. I can't wait for you to hear it. Now, don't forget to go to our website at kingdomrock.org. That's www.kingdomrock.org. There you can hear today's message as well as the entirety of the series and so much more. So check it out today. And for all of you that are supporting Kingdom Rock Radio, we thank you so very much. It's because of people like you that help us to spread this gospel all around the world. Thank you so much. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message, part one of the series entitled Peace with God, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. And today we're going to start a, an entire, entirely new series, and uh, it's called Peace with God. Peace with God. Peace with God. Romans 5, and uh, we're going to look at Scripture... Um, Verses really one and two, and then we're going to go from Romans five. We're also going to go into First um, Corinthians fifteen. So you can also grab your Bible, put your finger there as well. <clears throat> when you get Romans five, say I got it. Okay. If you need more time, just say hold up. All right. Let me go ahead and pray first, if you will. Well, I'll give you a second to go ahead and get it, and then we can remember the table of contents is your friend. Do not be ashamed to go back into the table of contents and find it. Amen? No, no, no. We're not going to do that. <clears throat> ready? Y'all ready to pray? Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this day that you've given us to gather around your rich word. Lord, we pray today that you would speak to us expressly by your spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. We ask you to lead us into all truth now and show us things to come. Father, we seek your face. We seek your presence today. Lord, I pray that your glory cloud just fills this room. Lord, let your angels ascend and descend in this place. Lord, lead us in the way that we should go. Teach us and instruct us. We present ourselves to you today. Now, we ask you to have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Romans 5. Uh, here again, we're going to start a new series today entitled Peace with God. Peace with God. So I pray that you hang in with me uh, during this series because we're going to say a lot of things or maybe not a lot of things, but we're going to say some things that I pray will minister to you. Some things maybe you have not thought of before or maybe have not thought about at all. But I pray that will set you free in your walk with God. Romans 5 uh, verses 1. We're going to see if this will work today. 
Romans 5, um, verse number 1 and 2, and it says, Therefore, being justified by faith. Say with me, I am justified by faith. I am justified by faith. Okay. Praise God, brother. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says have, we have. Have is a present tense word, isn't it? Say with me, I have peace with God. All right, that is present tense. It's not something you're trying to get. It's not something one day you will have. You have it right now at this moment. Okay, one more time. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our faith. Rather, we have peace with God. Let me start again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number two, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All right, go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, when you get there, say, I got it. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at verse number 50. And it says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Praise the Lord. In a, in, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is what? Sin. And the strength of sin is a law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, uh, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, all these things simply tell us we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, that we have been justified uh, by the finished work of Jesus Christ, justified, meaning that you are uh, just, you've been reckoned righteous or just in the sight of God. You're not trying to earn righteousness with God. You already have it through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, the Bible declares here that Jesus has actually won the victory over sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible declares in the book of, um, uh, let me see, 1 Corinthians, I believe. No, Romans, the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 4. We may get it later. But it says that Christ uh, condemned sin in the flesh. Christ condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus has already won the victory over sin. 
As a matter of fact, in the book of Luke, I believe the first chapter, the Bible declares that uh, the angel Gabriel tells Mary and uh, and I believe John uh, that um, or rather Joseph, he tells him as he prophesies concerning Jesus, he said that he will come to save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus has already defeated sin. Say with me, Jesus, Jesus has already defeated sin. Has already defeated sin. Say it again, Jesus, Jesus has, already has already defeated sin. Okay, now in order for you to have peace with God, you must understand that. That is not a pretty poem, it is not a pretty saying, it is truth. Jesus has already defeated sin. Say that. Sin is a defeated foe. Sin is a defeated foe. All right. Sin isn't. Now, here's the statement. Sin isn't an issue unless you make it one. All right, now we're going to, I'm going to back some things up with you. So I pray you go with me, okay? All right. The presence of active or unrepented sin in a born-again believer's life, listen, is an indication of carnality, carnality, immaturity, pride, rebellion, and or selfishness. When we as born again believers engage in sin, we're actually saying that we've got time. If you knew that Jesus Christ was coming back in the next few seconds, I guarantee you, you probably would not try to sin. Amen to that. We'd be all crying out before the Lord, right? All right. When a person, when a born again believer is engaged in sin, that means that we are not walking in the full revelation of Christ and have not yet fully identified with our true identity in him. When we identify, when we come to the, uh, come to the revelation of who we really are in him, you'll understand that the sin of this world is really beneath you. You're better than that. You have to come to that revelation that I'm better than that. I don't do that anymore. Not because, not because my body doesn't want to do it. No, as long as you're in your body, your body will want to gravitate towards sin. You say, I don't want to do that anymore. Not be, I mean, not because this flesh doesn't want to do that, but because that's beneath me and I'm better than that now. Does that make sense? But the father has to take your mind up higher. We've got to go higher, higher in our thinking, higher in our relationship with him. It is not that the things of the world does not attract you anymore. Or if you're in your flesh, it's still attracting you. It's not as though you don't see skin. Uh, you, you know, you don't see someone's flesh and short skirt or tight pants or, or big wads of money or whatever flips your boat. Ice cake, ice cake. No, ice cream or, or whatever flips your boat, whatever. <laughs> Made up something else today, ice cake. Whatever floats your boat. I don't sure what your, I'm not sure what your flavor is. Is that making sense to you? Living a holy life does not mean that 
you have a life that where there's no temptation present. It means that you are no longer yielding yourself to it. You've come up higher. Come up higher. And that's really the word of the Lord today. And I want to show you this in the word of God, how God says to you and I come up higher. Come up higher. Come up higher. Now, let me make some more statements for you. Fighting sin is unnecessary. Fighting sin is pointless. Fighting sin is a waste of time. Fighting sin is a distraction from your true calling. Why would you spend time fighting something that Jesus has already defeated? Why would you spend time fighting something that Jesus has already condemned in the flesh? Why would you spend time fighting something again that the father has already dealt with? Before you came to knowledge of Christ, sin dealt with you and sin conquered you. Hallelujah. We were hopelessly lost in sin. And every time we tried to stop it, it just swallowed us up and we did it again. That rhymed. Isn't that right? You knew that you could not defeat sin in your life. You knew that it was too strong for you. You knew that you couldn't stop it. You knew your life was in a bad way. So what did you do? You came to Christ. And you said, Father, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Make me right in your sight because I can't handle this thing called sin. It's too strong for me. And so for some reason, we come into knowledge of Jesus. We give our life to Jesus. And now we are born again. Now we have the spirit of God on the inside of us. And for some reason, we still think we have to fight the thing that God has delivered you from. So let me say this again, and I'm going to show you this, all these things in the word of God in just a moment. Fighting sin is unnecessary. Jesus already dealt with it. It is pointless. It is a waste of time. Most, uh, the, the thing that it is most is it is a distraction. It, you'll see that fighting sin is a distraction. It, it's distracting you from your true calling. It's distracting you from hearing the voice of God and walking in your destiny. Okay, so am I, am I saying to you that, hey, why fight it? Let's give in. The devil is a liar. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No, the Bible is very clear on it. The wages of sin is death. But the, gifts of, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians as well, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. But how do we go about getting clean and staying clean from sin, from the motions, the Bible calls them, the motions of sin in our, in our bodies? You can either try to do this two ways, and we're going to see this in just a moment. You, if you're going to fight sin, you're going to do it in one of two ways, which is both a waste of time. But let me tell you. Man's unnecessary fight against sin will produce two things. And you see which one you're landing in. How about that? Man's unnecessary fight against sin will produce either one of two things. One, if you think that you are winning and successful against sin, it will produce a sense of righteous pride. 
You feel self-righteous. You feel like you are spiritually haughty. Now, hey, I haven't done that in a while. I'm pretty good. If you feel like you're winning against sin, you will get a false assurance before God. Hey, I know God will answer my prayer because I haven't I haven't smoked that joint in a while. I haven't gotten drunken in a while now. Whatever your flavor is, whatever your flavor is, I haven't told anybody out. I haven't cursed any. I haven't cursed. Any, well, this besides this morning, I haven't cursed anybody out in a while. So I know God's going to hear me. If you feel like you're winning the battle against sin, it will produce in you a sense of false assurance before God. And it'll also give you a sense of superiority over those who you think is in more sin than you. I'm better than them. If you think you're winning the battle against sin and worse yet, if you think you're winning the battle against sin, uh, it will produce a life independent from God because after all, you don't need his help. You're doing it all by yourself. If you feel like you're winning the battle over it. Again, fighting sin is pointless, it's useless. It is a distraction. It is pulling you from your true calling and purpose. But what about if you think that you're losing the battle against sin? What will that produce? Well, it produces a sense of condemnation. Oh! It produces a sense of unworthiness. If you think you're losing the battle against sin, the fight against sin, it'll, it'll produce a sense of shame and guilt. And one of the worst things it will produce is a false self-judgment that God can't save you because you've done too much. I've done too much wrong. God can't save me. How do you come up with such a thing? I'm losing the battle against sin in my life, so he can't help me. We get in, of course, again, um, if you think you're losing the battle against sin, uh, you, you, you'll see that um, it produces a life, another life that is independent from God because we say, again, I'm not worthy to receive his love. I'm not worthy. If I would, I'm not worthy to receive his righteousness in my life. I'm not worthy to receive the gifts of God. I'm not worthy to receive the goodness of God because I've done too much wrong. So you judge yourself. You condemn yourself on the basis of how you are reacting or fighting against sin. Is that making sense to anybody? And this person also, if you think that you're losing against sin, it also produces a sense of inferiority around those who seem to have less sin than you. I wish I was holy like them. Why do I keep doing this? I can't go to church because they'll see what's on me. The holy people will see what's on me. Somebody know what I'm talking about. I, don't, I can't go around them because they'll know, they'll know what's on me. They'll know what's on me. So I'm, I better not go around. Right. All of these things we just spoke spoke about are, are a result of those a result of the person that is trying to fight against sin. Why are you fighting something that Jesus has already defeated? He's already defeated it. 
Now listen, neither of these persons, one who thinks that they're winning the fight, or one who thinks they're losing the fight, neither of these persons are actively seeking the face of God for a growing relationship with him. The one who thinks that he's so good, they're not seeking God. The one who thinks that they're so bad, he's not seeking God. Neither one of these are doing the will of God. Are you hearing me? They can't because they are, they are solely focused on their own ability or inability to conquer sin. And they are not focused on the finished work of Christ. The cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus has nothing to do with them. The one that says, I'm so good, not trying to apply the blood. The one that says, I'm so bad, they say, I'm too unworthy. Nothing can happen for me. So let me say it again. You fighting against that defeated foe called sin, you fighting against it is a distraction. Sin is a distraction. Pulling you from uh, the voice of God in your own life. Pulling you from your purpose. It's so easy to be distracted. God is speaking here, but we think, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this. And you moan and you cry. And instead of just asking God to forgive you and cleanse you, confess the sin and turn from it and then go back to him, running hard after him, passionately seeking a relationship with him. Instead of passionately seeking a relationship with him, we are crying over something that was done. Are you hearing? So again, we talked about sin can distract you from your true purpose and calling. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Let me show you a few things about your true calling. The book of Ephesians, we're going to stay in Ephesians just for a little while. I want you to say, see who you are in him. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. You've got to understand who you are. In that movie, Coming to America, I'm not sure how many of you have seen that movie, Coming to America. It's pretty old now. Even though Eddie Murphy lived, the prince there, lived in a rundown apartment or, or what have you. And even though he worked at McDowell's restaurant, there was still something kingly about him. Still something majestic about him. It's the way that he thought of himself. He knew that there were some activities that were beneath him. And I'm telling you that as a king's kid, because actually you are the son and daughter of the most high God. You cannot become more kingly than that. God is your father. Now, Outwardly, now I'm going to say this about myself so as not to offend any of you. Outwardly, I am human. Thank you, Greg. I will. <laughs> Outwardly, I'm human. If you prick me, I bleed. Do an MRI or a CAT scan or what have you, you would see a normal human being. But inwardly, I am a son of God. 
I take that word seriously. How the Bible declares that we are now new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me show you some things about you. Again, sin is a distraction. It's a, it's a fly that buzzes around you while you're trying to eat. Don't let it distract you from what God has called you to do. Ephesians 4.24 says, says this. Ephesians 4.24. It says, well, let's back up to verse 20, um, 22. Ephesians 4 verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation or the former things you used to do. The former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the seeful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now it's time to think differently. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you were created after God in God's image in righteousness and holiness. Now you begot to begin to meditate on this and believe this because if, because listen, your mind is so important. The way you think is so important because the way you think about yourself will either, either determine uh, whether you go down, you know, downwardly, a downward spiral in life or whether you rise. Two people can be sleeping under the bridge. One can have hope and the other one cannot. You will move in the, in the direction of your thinking. The Bible declares, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. Let's look at Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Let's look at verse number 4. Back up to verse number 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, say hath, that means it's already happened, it has already happened, hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse four, according as he hath chosen us in him, when before the foundation of the world. Are y'all reading with me? He has chosen us. Say he has chosen me in him before the foundation of the world. To do what, Lord? To do what? It says what? That we should be what? Holy and without blame before him in love. Verse five, having predestined us, that is, he's decided beforehand, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He decided a long time ago that you were coming home with him. He decided a long time ago that you would be a part of his family a long time ago. So it's time for us to begin to identify with who we really are in him and not who the world says we are. Let's go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Let me read verses 4 through 7. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. Did you see that past tense there? Even when we were, say were. Even when we were dead in sins. Hath quickened us together with Christ. 
By grace ye are what? Saved. Again, not by your works. Not because you did a great job in defeating sin in your life. Or not because you're doing a poor job, God's going to save you. No, it's got nothing to do with the job you're doing. Are you hearing? It's according to his grace. Verse, um, verse 6 says, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together where? In heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus. Now that's important. He's already said, come up here and sit with daddy. Come on up here and sit with daddy in his throne. You understand the implications of that? Come on. Your God, your father, your Abba is the God, the sovereign God of everything. And he already tells you, his son, his daughter, come on up and sit with daddy up here. Come on up and sit with daddy. My God. When you begin to understand all of that, you begin to understand it and really understand that, you know, sin is a distraction. It is a, it, it is a nuisance. It is a nuisance that you are above those things. Literally above those things. Are you hearing? Now listen, look at verse number seven. It brings up another picture. It says that in the ages to come, that in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward who? Toward us through Christ Jesus. God says simply, come and sit up here because throughout eternity, I want to show you something. I want to show you my goodness. Come on and sit here and it's going to take eternity for me to show it all to you. I want to give you a front row seat. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? Let me show you another one. Now let's go um, to Ephesians 3. Go, we're going to go over again. Hallelujah. You can't let sin distract you. Turn to the name and tell them you can't let sin distract you. You're on a mission. Right now we're going through the Olympics and all of that stuff. As, it, as the Olympians were practicing, as the Olympians were, were training, I'm sure, I'm sure they had many temptations to go out with the boys and go this and that and the other, but they had to stay on course. They had to keep their self-focused because they knew, I'm going to have to compete. I'm going for the gold. I'm not going for silver or bronze. I'm going for the gold. So I'm going to keep myself away from this, keep myself away from that. I'm going to train. I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'm going to run. I'm going to do weightlifting, whatever they, whatever they got to do in order to compete. What I'm telling you is that you're going to have to begin to exercise spiritually. You're in training spiritually. Your spiritual training consists of fasting. It consists of, it can, uh, consists of prayer. It consists of studying the word of God. It consists of meditating in his word. It, it consists of hearing the word of God being preached rightly divided. You're in training. You're in training. You're in training. Are you hearing? All right, let's look this. Look now at um, chapter 3, Ephesians 3, verse number uh, 16 through 21. It says this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints. Now, here's something uh, people say many times. Oh, I'm not a saint. If you're born of God, yes, you are a saint. God called you a saint. 
I'm not a saint. Stop that lying. Are you hearing? If you are born of God, if God has told you, come sit with me. Yes, you are. And it's time to identify with what God said. I'm not saying I'm just a poor old sinner. Stop lying. Hallelujah. Y'all rallying me up today. Verse 17 says again, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passive knowledge. Why? That ye might be what? Filled with all the fullness of God. Now grab a hold of that. Where else can you find that the sovereign God of the universe wants to fill any entity or any being with his fullness? God wants to fill you with his fullness. All of him, his fullness. He wants to, he wants all of him to come into all of you. Grab a hold of that. All of him into all of you and all of you into all of him that you may be one with him. Why? Because you'll see that in eternity to come, the Lord wants us and he will use us to help rule over his kingdom. Remember the Lord Jesus said that it's the father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom, to cause you to rule and to reign in his kingdom. Are you hearing? Oh, this is good stuff. And I pray that you're that you stay with me. So what we're going to find out is that as we go back and we're beginning to close now. Having a an attitude of I've got to do my best. I'm saved now. So I got to do my best to stop sinning. All that is, is a distraction. If your attitude is I got to do my best to stop sinning, you've already missed it. Your attitude should be, I've got to do my best to get in the presence of God. I've got to do my best to become one with him. I've got to do my best to yield all of me to all of him. I've got to submit myself unto him. See, because the more you invite light in, the more darkness goes out. The closer you get to the light, the further darkness goes away from you. You remember that example on last week we gave that example? Your focus is to get closer to him, as in get in tune and oneness with him. Sin is a distraction. Say with me. Sin is a distraction. Now, let me show you one false picture, and then we're going to close out today. Go to the book of Luke, and this will help bring it a lot closer to you. Luke 18. Luke 18. See, if you don't miss it, I mean, if you don't watch it, the word of God will go zoom right past you. If you don't focus in on hearing what God is saying, it'll go right past you. Don't you understand that God has called you to destiny? Your, your duty, your job is to pray that the Father's will be done in your life. But see, if you do it correctly, hear me, 
if you pray this correctly with all your heart, praying that God's complete will be done in your life ought to scare you. If you're doing it correctly. Because you then you're, you're realizing that you're turning the reins of your life over to him. And that your will is no longer your own. And that you agree for God to take you wherever he needs to take you. That means that some relationships may be cut off. Some things that you may have wanted to do, you won't be able to do. Because that's not in his will for your life. So there's no need for me to harp on sin. What is sin and, and what is not sin? If you're born of God, you already know. And if you're not born of God, you need to be born of God and you will surely know. Let me get a, let's take a short survey. Those of you that are born of God, born again, I think you have a good idea of what sin is in your life. Can you raise your hand and say, I've got an idea. I've got a good idea of what sin is in my life. You can put your foot up too. I can put both hands up and foot. I know what it is. But listen, even with that knowledge, that can also be deceptive. Why? Because I've heard some people say, all I got to do is stop doing this and I'll be all right. That's the biggest foolish statement I ever heard. Never say that's I just got this and nothing else. You got so much stuff in you, you don't even know yourself. You're always going to be crying out to the Lord, always crying out to him, always crying out to him, always asking him to create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit in you. Always crying out to him because he always is all his plan is to take you higher. Come on up higher. Come on up higher. Come on up higher. So it's fruitless for me to come. And now unless the Holy Spirit says preach on sin, preach against this sin. If he says it, he knows his business. Praise the Lord. And we bow down and we submit to his will. Other than that, the main purpose is to get you into the presence of God. When you are in the presence of God, all else is revealed. Does that make sense to you? Y'all looking at me. Let me show you this. Luke 18. Then we're going to close out here. We may pick up on this next time. Luke 18 verses 9 through 14. Remember we told you about fighting against sin really is fruitless because sin has already been defeated. It has already been defeated. Are you hearing? Either you think you're winning in the battle or you think you're losing in the battle. Let's look at this scripture. Uh, Luke 18, look at verse uh, 9 through 14. Are you there? It says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. 
He is confident that he is winning the war, the fight against sin. And do you think he has a relationship with God? No. Let's look at the next one. And the publican standing afar off would not, would not um, lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his, uh, his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He feels like he's losing. Right? Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Now, you have two men there. One who thinks he's very high, another who thinks he's very low, unworthy and insignificant. For most people I've heard, I can't say most, for many that I've heard over the years, many have identified with the, with the second man. Oh, Lord, I'm just so unworthy. I'm just so unworthy. Father, forgive me, I'm unworthy. And many have identified with him. But now that you are born of God and a son of the king, you shouldn't identify with him. How many parents would like to hear their children say, oh, mama, if you could just, if you could make your way, mama, please, uh, I'm kind of hungry. Oh, I don't want to bother you, mama, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you could give me a little lunch money. No, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about giving me a little lunch, lunch money. It's okay. I, I'm all right. I'll be all right. I don't, need new, I don't need any new shoes, mama. I can't take no new shoes, mama, mama, mama. I can't take them, mama. I can't take no new shoes. I'm just, I'm just unworthy of the new shoes. I'm, I'm unworthy of the new, of the new uh, school clothes. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. How many would want to hear that coming from their children? They say, son, daughter, something's wrong with you. Don't you know that all I have is yours? And whatever you need, I will surely provide for you. So the second man in this case in Luke 18, that's not where you want to remain. That may be where you want to start. But you don't stay there. Because we see in, and we'll get this next time, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verses 14 through 16, the Bible declares that we should come before the throne of grace, come before him boldly, confidently. He's your daddy. He's your father. He loves you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to come before him like a beggar, like someone with no relationship. He loves you. He loves you. And now through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. You don't have to go before God begging or whining and a pleading. He loves you. So there are two men, two extremes. One, oh, oh God, I'm good. I go to church every Sunday. I pay my tithes every time I get a chance. I do it, I do it, I do it. But I, I can't stand other folk like them over there. Self-righteous stench. Self-righteous stench. Then there's another man. Oh, I'm unworthy. I, I can't take Lord, don't bless me. Please give it to somebody else. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worthy of your blessings. I'm just, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not worthy. And also a stench. Why? Because that one completely does away with the blood of Christ. 
It says that the blood is not effective in my life. The blood is not strong enough in my life. My sin is stronger than the blood. My sin is stronger than the cross. My sin is stronger than Jesus. Jesus can't even wipe away my sin because it's that bad. Both are a stench in the nostrils of God. So next time we're going to be talking about what we should do with sin. What should you do with it? It's not a problem anymore. Well, what, should, what should you do with it? What should you do with the motions of sin in your life? And how can you continue to walk in victory? So I pray that you're with us the next time. In Jesus' mighty name, we're done. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for victory. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Hallelujah. 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 We are your sons and we are your daughters. You've called us to be holy and we choose to identify with your holiness. You called us to be saints and we choose to identify as being a saint of the most high God and not a poor old wretched sinner. We have been saved. We have been justified. And Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you continue to deal with your people. Lord, let them know that you've called them to be kings and priests. Kings and priests, Father. Lord, show them who they really are in you, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, show them who they are. If there's anyone in this place today who has not given your life to Jesus. We pray that you are blessed today by the ministry. Remember, if you would like to hear this message in its entirety and even hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's www.kingdomrock.org. We will be so glad to connect with you. While you're there on the website, make sure to consider a financial donation in support of the ministry. And don't forget, if you're in the area, stop on by and visit with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Stop on by. And don't forget, while you're on the website, sign up for Kingdom Inspirations. We believe it's going to be a blessing to you. All right, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.